Welcome to Double Burst, a podcast about Dice Masters. We are a group of Utah players that want to bring you the latest Dice Masters news, strategies, tips, and more. Whether you're a new or seasoned player, we hope this show has something for you. I'm KT Data, one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 49. In this episode, we'll be talking about playing Dice Masters with kids, what to do after that Professor X Global is gone, and we'll wrap it all up with another session of Brewing Buddies. So let's kick it off with a discussion on how to play Dice Masters with your kids. Okay, we are here with Kenneth and Russ, um, and this is probably the one segment in Double Burst history where I am completely useless for this, because, yeah, um, what we wanted to talk to you guys about today is we'll be talking about Dice Masters and playing with kids or children's or little ones or parasites or whatever you guys want to call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. captives. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Where do you guys want to start with this? Because I, I mean, you hear the words games, and that's I. I know we get excited when we get a you know a young kid starting to play the game and stuff. So where do you want to start in terms of dice masters and kids? Well, you're gonna want to untie them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna write this, this down before I forget. So. Um. So, obviously, like I think that it's there's universal rules for anyone that's starting uh, with kids. It's more about instead of, you know, normally I would ask someone, have you played any other games like this before? Do you have a background in Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or whatever? Like, what is our starting line with kids? Generally, if they're your kids, especially you can look at it and go, well, I know that my kid either has or has not played these types of games. Mm -hmm. So it's about knowing that baseline for them. If your kid is young enough that he can't read and can't do math, you might want to start with a different game, <laughs> you know. Like there's there's going to be some basic so, math and reading that yeah, are that so are important. What, what to kind mix. of like general uh, general age would you guys recommend in introducing dice masters to kids for? So my my youngest is currently he's nine, and he started playing with me about two years ago when I picked up the game. So he started playing at about seven or so. Um, I think you could maybe go a little little younger, but you're gonna Obviously, I think a, a different type of version with the game. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes to Ken's point. If like if they can kind of read and understand, mm-hmm. yeah. know the kid. I mean, yeah. there's there's other kids. So uh, I've got a a thirteen, a twelve, and a ten year old at home. And uh, the biggest challenge I run into with all of them is telling them a hundred times, read your cards, read what it says, read the card. What does it do? You know. Uh, at there, I mean, there's kids that I've met that are, you know, f- five and six who are great readers that are good at getting a little bit of that kind of abstract thinking. And there's other kids that, you know, m- my own kids at, at 10 and 12 and 13, they're not always great at reading the cards. They'll do a draft and then they'll they'll play and they'll be like, well, I didn't know this card did that. And so, well, why didn't you read it? Well, you can read. Let, let's right, be honest. So there are some adults out there who that read too. cards wrong, like me. Like, I am, I don't know why I can't read cards sometimes. <laughs> my, so, my wife tends to, she's she's like, uh, she learned to speed read, so she kind of skims. I have to tell her all the time, read the entire card. Read all of the words, not just the ones <laughs> that stand out. Like, you have to read all of them. So, this is actually a game, if I had younger children, I'm 
not young myself anymore. So if I had younger children. I thought children, you were just 16. <laughs> I, was, I mean, when I first met you, I'm like, he's got to be 16. But it's kind of weird he already has three kids. Yeah. <laughs> I may act like that. So if I had a five or six-year-old, I'd, I would introduce them to the game. If more so not for the game itself, but I think that Dice Masters is a great teaching tool. So I would actually use this as just an opportunity for them to learn math uh, and just the, the simple fundamentals and also not to get too nerdy oh, the, the, in what the, I the, enjoy. The teacher in you are a little, is so, showing itself a little bit. So the layered thinking, right, with, with kids, you can kind of see where they're at and the depth of what they see in – in the game, oh, like yeah. if they're how, just doing how much they can understand cause and effect, right. how much they can look at how their reaction is going to be react or how their action is going to be reacted to, and how they react to your actions, all of that you can you can use that as a teaching tool and as a really good way to kind of gauge where your kid is at. Yeah, and it's a it's a lot of fun. You see them grow. Uh, you know, Mike is a little crazy at times when we're playing games, but. I see his ability, not just in Dice Masters, but other games, to still stay focused and do things, even though he's struggles to sit still at times. Yeah, no, dude. I like. I mean, because I've known Micah and left where like I have a blast playing against him just to see his like growth between the year, you know, year and a half we've been playing, oh, yeah. and just like, oh, that is so cool. Yeah, I've seen a lot of growth with Micah and with my kids. It seems yeah. like the they they tend to come and go there's there's one week that they want to do nothing but play dice masters and then the next week they want to do anything but and i think that's also kind of part of it with kids also like if you force it it's just it's not going to work uh encourage it play with them have fun make it a fun family thing um my kids always know if they want to play i'm there i'll we can build teams we can do it however they want to we can throw down um but I've learned because there was a time where me and my wife were kind of like going, come on, we're, we're going to go play Dice Masters. It's like, get your stuff. Let's go. We're doing it. And they were like, well, I don't really feel like it. And I think that that kind of impacted them pretty big overall. I mean, my kids are like they hardly ever come to events anymore. Yeah, they're rather, lame faces. And they well, they're, they're they don't also, want, they don't they're want to hang out with one be, of the few Asians that they know in life. They're, they're also getting to be teenagers, so yeah, there's that Those punks. also that they, they just want to do less stuff with us. Right. But uh, yeah, don't definitely you don't want to force it on your kids. You don't want to make it feel like a chore or a job. You want to keep it fun. That's definitely something. You, you mean you, you guys don't like kids. sit down at the kitchen table and just like right before you eat, you're like, all right, we're gonna read this paragraph from the Dice Masters Yu-Gi-Oh rule book. And just <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a thing that someone would do. Like that's I'm pretty sure that violates the Geneva Conventions, but I mean it's something you can do, I guess. You can tell torture. Which one, you can tell which one of the three has no kids, right? Well, <laughs> that's not to say you don't sit down at the dinner table and talk Dice Masters. Oh yeah, no, Dice Masters is talked. Yeah, my right. wife joins it's in. So, <laughs> if so. only I had a microphone running during our, our Christmas team dinner, you guys would have enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. So, when you teach them early maybe help them out a little bit they're going to see it at a very fundamental level and that's okay i don't think you, do, do you don't get, overwhelm them yeah. don't try to get them to do things yeah, definitely uh take take the like teach them at their speed you know you want to kind of push them and encourage growth but you can't force it you've got to listen pay attention okay they're they're understanding 
so he, th- we've got an understanding of attack versus defense. Great. Next, maybe we want to incorporate some overcrush. You know, you don't want to immediately go, all right, so he understands attack versus defense. Let's throw in overcrush fast and deadly. That you're just going to overwhelm the kid, you know. Do one thing at a time. Right. I remember Micah, uh, his first combo was... Uh um, uh, the one that uh, uh, Buster Blader, Buster Blader, rare, which gives you a buff for every non-sidekick, every monster in their used pile, and then he would use the Stealth Ops, which is level one. So he basically had one hammer that would swing through, and if mm-hmm. if the opponent didn't know what was going on, it it, it won him a good good share of games even against adult players yeah he caught me off guard the first time he unleashed that on me i'm like oh whoa so now his his combos on his current team you know he doesn't play all the time but he has a team he's working on that that is basically buffing sidekicks and that you know he's using three or four and i kind of have to temper him down on not all comboing the same so kind of work different combos on a team so he it's good to let them work and play and figure out things that don't work like yesterday at tabletop day he realized how amazing scarecrow was because he was playing against someone that had it (laughs) and you know it really caused him an issue but he also realized if he attacked that he would lose so he had to play this balancing act ended up losing but but he was, was able close. to see it things that were close. going on. One um, day, is he going to inherit dear old dad's <laughs> go-to scarecrow? Yeah, are, 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 are you going to yesterday? So that's the other thing I was going to ask you guys: is do you recommend like starting with a full like full team of eight, or how, uh, how do you kind of gauge that? I personally don't understand why the rule book says to teach people a game that doesn't exist. I always say start with yeah. eight characters and two basic actions. Learn the game the right way. Make it make it eight vanilla characters with Hulk out and big entrance. You know, pretty simple basic actions. Keep it easy, but eight and two. That is the way to do it. That is how the game is played. I do not understand. I think that uh, in the rule rule books, it just adds confusion when they say, you know, each of you builds a team of four characters and use three basic actions between you. That's not dice masters that's that's playing a different game with dice masters stuff but that's not dice masters i prefer starting with eight and they'll use what they use i mean they might i i like giving uh young players just use anything and then we'll work as it goes and and they're young kids especially they're just looking at attack and defense and, and like and that's possibly, really what they're yeah, looking at that and, and okay. they're like favorite characters right, right. One of, I've, I've seen a lot of kind of younger kids are like oh i love this character so i'm gonna try and buy him one of the the first drafts that i, I want to say it was a draft that we did uh at like in my house with a feed that i bought uh my youngest was in on it he was excited he wanted to play with the new cards and he drafted and i want to say that he didn't draft a single thing that cost under six he wanted all the big, tough hammer cards and all of the power. And it was like, uh, buddy, you're not going to be able to do anything with that. <laughs> like, I hate to break it to you, but that's not going anywhere at all. Like, you've got to, like, get a purchase curve going. And, I mean, he played, and he was kind of bummed out that he did as bad as he did. But but he learned. Oh, right? yeah. He and I think that's, learned. that's really big to yeah. do in the game is not try to 
force. Let, like let the kids struggle. Not, it's okay. You're playing a game, and it's probably not competitive. If you're competing with your five, six-year-olds, you're probably yeah, got you, other things you going shouldn't on be, beside that. Let but. me write that down, like, too. <laughs> you shouldn't be, ho- like, honing the edge on your sweet right. bar team <laughs> against your six-year-old. That's mean. <laughs> That's so, not and cool. Then, <laughs> and then when you're at events, if you're playing a younger player, uh, I always love to play maybe give them some ideas uh i remember one that we were playing at a i think it was demolition where a young player attacked because he he thought he had enough but it was 18 and i just asked are you sure you are you sure you want to do that are you sure you want to do that and he did and i took it and i was like okay i'll take all of it and i attacked for over 20 and then we went back and started again but do things that help them understand why you may not want to do that, why you don't want to just attack, or why you don't want to just wall up, too. You don't want to start that habit or you get into another Dr. J incident where it's just about building a wall. So, And then somebody brings one against many and bam, suck it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's definitely like when I play against younger players. I mean, if I'm playing with my kids at home, it's obviously completely casual, but even at events, if it's if there's not good prizes on the line, or if it's not a like a PDC or WKO, I don't have a problem going. Hey, this is what you could do. This is how this works. This is where you know you should be attacking with that character more. Buy more of these guys, that sort of thing, and and give them as many tips as I can. Um, in the more competitive setting, I tend to play quiet, and then after the I have beat them because they don't know the game as well as I do. <laughs> then I go, okay, so on your next game, what you want to do is buy this guy more and attack with that guy. Um, you know, and there's a part of me that sometimes feels bad and then I make like top eight and I feel fine again. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, I, I don't take like pride in picking on kids, but uh, that's sort of to be expected if you bring your kids to the more competitive events. And, it, and I will say it's important to our game to have kids playing if you look at the number that play other games you know pokemon magic oh, pokemon posting, it's, it's, it's got a, big yeah. big circles of kids you know it, it's good for the health of the game and i this game to me helps teach different layers of thinking and it's uh, it's a lot of fun because it, it requires so many different thought processes going on purchasing rolling it, it combines that deck builder with maybe something like uh i don't know some other game like any other game where you have to attack right yeah we we know what half of the game you enjoy yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know and uh, what what i like about it is i mean one like the, your kids having well fun for you it's easy time. wins yeah we just talked about that no it's not <laughs> I, i'm not gonna lie i've lost i've purposely lost a couple of matches against, yeah. against kids cause oh yeah in, just, in a non-competitive setting yeah. I, I would much rather build yeah. a kid's confidence yeah and uh, i i just love seeing because there's they, their thought processes are just so different that I think it's good for a community too because they could find this way out of the box combo that none of us would ever think of right. and then they'll pull it off and you're like whoa that's actually really really good. Right. I think yeah. as a community we kind of have our mindset of what things are supposed to do or what you should be able to do kids kind of don't have that that box within the thought process so they may come across things they may figure mm-hmm. things out yeah plus you have more people to talk dice masters about and I mean, that's yeah. the whole point of this show is, right? And, <laughs> so yeah. talk to and, and you think about it, like, if you've got a, a seven or eight-year-old that 
has a basic understanding of the game. In a couple of years, you've got a kid Micah's age that has a pretty good understanding of the game and is starting to come up with their own combos. Where's Micah going to be in three years? I mean, how far behind you is he really? You know, mm-hmm. how far behind uh, the average adult player is he really? I mean, I'm sure that there's a certain amount of you know the the more abstract reasoning and stuff like that that kind of does come into play that he's probably a little bit behind on but really once some of the the more complex ideas click for him he'll be a great player because he has that understanding of the game before he even understands all the the like kind of hidden layers of it so you're you're setting up really good players in the future too yep and you know going micah's track he's already like setting up to replace me when i retire i mean he's got his podcasting setup that he's already (laughs) setting up so who knows maybe if if double burst is around in like 20 years and i get old and i'm like i can't do it anymore realize if it's 20 years from now i'll be well let's not talk about that do, 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 do you realize that my whole goal in life is to be those two old grumpy guys in the muppet shows that just sit in the back yeah that's yeah that's what i want to be that's my life aspiration. Well, we already have one of those in Dr. J, so, now just <laughs> yeah, so then we'll be just perfect buddies on there. So, um, guys, I always love talking about this, especially this this kind of stuff. And I'm glad that both of you are here because I love playing with your kids. That's why I'm sad that like your kids don't come and play anymore. Yeah, they it's sometimes do. It's um, the, it's hit and miss. The good thing is, if you're a psychology nerd too, it's always fun to play across from a child and. Kind of see where they're at with their thinking. (laughs) I always find that interesting. Yep. Um, So yeah. So if you guys, if we miss, if you have any tips or any awesome stories about playing Dice Masters with your kids, we really want to hear it. So shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. If if you've uh, got like a lot of experience teaching any kind of games to kids, if you uh, are are a teacher or whatever, and you've taught classes how to play Magic or whatever. Let us know how, like, if there's any tips that kind of translate to to Dice Masters. Throw that up. Like, yeah. we'd, we'd love to see that. And I'm sure that every Dice Masters player that has kids that would like to get them involved would also appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, we, we, I mean, the whole point of this show is to help spread information. And this is kind of one of those things that I would, you know, love to see if we just saw hundreds of kids one time, you know, to the point where yeah. kids would have to have, like, make their own kids league and stuff. That would be so cool. Yeah. Let's, ha- let's see it. Bring your kids to Origins. Let's see a kid win nationals and worlds. Yeah. <laughs> I expect you to take your kid to Origins now, Ken. <laughs> okay. When I go, I'll take one. Maybe. All right. So we will have both of you guys back um, in a little bit where we're going to start picking Dr. J's mind and seeing what team he has in the brewery right now. Okay, guys. We are here back with Ken Poole and Dr. J. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, man. Yep. Um, I'm excited for this because this is an interesting thing. June is slowly approaching us which means the start of the modern and golden ages in Dice Masters. And probably one of the biggest things that you'll be missing in, in the um, modern age is profess- the Professor X Global. Yeah. Um, and if you guys have not, if you're newer to the game and you don't know it, a lot of times people refer it to as PXG, um, but it's the global from the Professor X's from Uncanny X-Men where it's you pay a mask and you can move two sidekicks from your used pile to your prep area. Yeah, this it, that card was like, it it had to be the biggest card in the game 
before modern. I mean, almost every competitive team had it on it. And if you didn't have it on it, lots of times you were still taking advantage of your opponent's Professor X Global. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the people, when you didn't put it on there, you were like, all right, so the team works without it. It works this way. But if my opponent brings it, it's even better because I can yeah. use it. I mean, it, it's such a, it's been such a huge card since the day it was released, basically. I mean, there, yeah, were, there were several times where I would sit across from somebody in a tournament and I didn't have it on my team. They didn't have it on our on their team, and we would play like the first couple rounds like we had it because we just assumed <laughs> it was there. I mean, right. I've done that a few times, and same thing with Blue Eyes because that was kind of a big one too. But P- Professor X, I made that mistake so many times, yeah, and I've... it was just so big because of what it offered yeah. to your team. Yeah, because it allowed you to, one, roll more dice than four at the start of your turn, and it also allowed you to cycle through your bag very, very quickly because a lot of times you wouldn't even put the sidekick dice back into your bag or you put one in and everything else was a character and action die that you had purchased. Yeah, that I think that PXG is probably the the one thing that is the most responsible for people taking that one damage for not being able to draw four dice at the start of their turn. I don't think there's any other thing that has caused that as much as PXG has. The only other way that's going to happen is if, like, you roll three sidekicks on your first turn and field them all, and then you roll a couple more and field them. And you just you, roll seven you sidekicks. Just, you and just you're field like... all the sidekicks. That's the only <laughs> other way you're going to end up yeah. taking damage from not drawing <laughs> dice in this game. Yeah, now. you'll see that happen every now and again playing against my kids. They go, ooh, characters, field them all. Field them all. I need a wall. I need a wall. It's like you're rolling two <laughs> dice. You have to take two damage. Oh, no, I better attack. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but PXG, man, PXG did that in competitive with top players going with the... Like, uh, like the so the Bard Rush team... Like, that was the thing. You were expected to take one damage on your second or third turn because uh, you wanted your back. I think it was a, yeah. at least one. I mean, that's... Uh, in the higher level play, that did, that brought into play a lot of the, you know, your life is a resource. And it doesn't matter if you have 20 or 19 or 1 or 2 life at the end of the game. If your opponent's at zero, you win. Yeah, um, And PXG could definitely help you use that resource for your ramp and churn. It was also largely responsible for the meta we had where people were making teams that were more formulaic than they mm-hmm. were, you know, strategy back and forth, reacting to your yeah, opponent. Yeah, and, and it, it was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that 10-cost character, no biggie. Yeah, it was like turn yeah. three, I have I have to do this. So I got to do this and this on turn one, then turn three, and then turn four, I win. You know, and it was very, very formulaic. And now that it's gone, uh, we're going to see a huge shift in the yeah. game, I think. So that's what we kind of wanted to talk to you about today is life after that Professor X Global. So now that, and like we mentioned, it offered both the ability to ramp and to churn, so to cycle and to roll more dice. You know, what are we going to be replacing these with? Obviously, there's not going to be just the one card that does both because then we'd be in the same problem with Professor X. So um, I don't know. Where do you guys want to start? start in terms of what can we use to replace both of these things that so, Professor X offered? I think, first of all, it might be a little bit of a mistake to try to replace it. Mm-hmm. You're not getting that Professor X bonus back. Not even on, like, a two-card combo are you going to get that Professor X bonus back. Yeah, trying to replace that is... Um that that's just folly. That's not yeah. gonna. It, you're <laughs> you're going to end up building half your team to try and do what that card did. When you can get a lot of the way, you know. You look at your team. Do you need to be churning more? Do you need to be ramping more? Yeah, because you're probably yeah. going to lean one way or another and not get both. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. 
and like obviously you can get both it's just to it's going to be to a lesser degree um yeah. I, th- I think that the best kind of substitution for that that seems to be getting bigger with every set is swarm yeah swarm allows you to churn to some degree and ramp to some degree while not quite as on demand or and nowhere near as quickly as PXG. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and it's a little sure. bit trickier because you have to have the swarm character. You have to have them in the field. You have to have them in your bag. Like if you're if you if you are using any other drawing dice at any other time mechanism, you know your superhero registration act or or nasty plot or whatever, you're losing that swarm ability because that only works in your drawing, mm-hmm. uh, your clear and draw step. Yeah. Do you guys kind of feel like WizKids is done a better job of balancing swarm too because if you if we think in golden age you still had that one cost cobalt that had swarm and that was a little bit like it wasn't as bad as professor x or anything but it was it's kind of ridiculous if you had four of them and you just kept swarming right i feel like they go in waves so they had the cobalts and that was kind of the swarm gold standard for a long time and then they started like in the next uh, favor and under siege in the favor and under siege set. They brought in a bunch of other swarm characters, but they were more expensive. Yeah, they're like generally. two, three costs. Two, three well, there costs. was other swarmers in the first one. There was also the yeah, uh, but nobody used them. The sturge and the, the sturge the and orc. The orc. I actually I liked the orc because it had the better defensive stat, so it stayed yeah. in the field better than the the the, the sturge kobold. is one on all of them, and then the kobold is a one one two on its defense. Yeah, the the orc I believe is two two three. Yeah. I always like I almost always ran the orc, but I would usually complement that with a big entrance. Yeah. yeah. So so now it seems kind of the hotness in terms of swarm is probably multiple man, right? Yeah, Super absolutely. Multiple man. Well, multiple man adds its own like extra wrinkle where every other uh, every other character that has had swarm has a max of four dice. So you've got one in the field. You've got a maximum of being able to swarm three times, yeah. which allows you to roll a total of seven dice. Uh, with multiple man, you get six max, so you get yep. five potential, which allows you to roll nine dice if you swarm perfectly. That's a big difference. That's huge. Yeah, it's way and and it's when a two five cost of, yeah. character, which with a big entrance, I mean you're back to one cost. Like the cobalts, it's very easy to purchase. Yep, and. People will say, well, he's got the fielding cost. I really don't think that's a fair argument because you only need to field one. Yeah. It's not that hard to field one multiple man. And then after that, you never have to field one you're again. You're probably going to be using, and if it does get knocked out, if you pull out another multiple man, you're probably going to roll one of them energy and use one to field all Yeah, once one, you right? got six multiple man cycling through your bag, that's almost as many as many multiple men yeah. as you have sidekicks. So the odds of getting another one back out are very good. Oh, yeah. And, and multiple man, I mean, on his big side, he's what, a 4-4? Four, four? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's a pretty good body to try and. It can be hard to, to, to get try him to out remove. on his level three. Yeah, you know, I mean it. It helps more that he's on, that he is a mask, so he gets protection from a few different areas, just for being a mask. But uh, him being a four four makes him a, a way more stout body. You know, your your magic missile or your unstable canister is, it's going to be costly for your opponent to use something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. The it, one the one thing about swarm though right now the swarm that we have is it doesn't really provide you any churn through your bag i mean you're drawing basically you're you're getting those same four sidekicks you would have got and all of the multiple men that you draw at the same time so it really yeah. doesn't help you get through your bag faster you're still going through your bag at the same speed that's where the super rare dark side is going to come in because now you can swarm sidekicks if you can get the sidekick swarm going oh, then you're ridiculous. definitely churning through your bag mm-hmm. at the same time you're getting a bunch of ramp so it's really 
Uh, Swarm, I think, is going to be what p- most people go to to replace Professor X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's why I actually think uh, Russ has been playing a little bit with that Dritz that knocks out Swarm characters. Yeah. Because... You might see him make yeah. a little bit yeah. of, a, yeah. of a comeback. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that's going to work out. Um, but you know, that's always kind of a little toying and tinkering with stuff. So we've we've so we've covered Swarm. Um, how about like I think a favorite at least around here is to use basic actions in terms of doing our ramp. Yeah, um, superhero registration act is the biggest one around here. Definitely, some of us like to use relaxing. Um, those two are still in modern. Um, yeah, I, I like the superhero registration act because it allows you to draw the two dice. And then it gives you the potential of getting a third one or knocking out an opponent's character, yeah. uh, which may or may not be beneficial, as we know. But when it first right, came yeah. out, it it didn't have the drawbacks that it has now. Like, now, I, it's all the time I'm like, do I really want to bring Superhero Registration Act? Because all I need is someone to have that character that they want to keep knocking out and cycling through, and it's going to cause me problems. Oh, yeah. And when this Hawk-Dove combo comes out, I'm probably never going to play it again. I don't want to play against <laughs> Russ with Superhero Registration Act, and he's right. got his hawk and dove in the field. No yeah. way. And I, so, yeah. I've personally always, uh, since it came out, I've really liked Big Entrance. Yeah. I, mean, I, it, I, I like the idea of it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but when I bring mine, it doesn't work. I, I like, I've tested this scientifically, guys. Anytime I buy one of my Big Entrance dies, two energy for the whole game until like the last turn. I don't, I don't think do I've it. ever bought it and not been disappointed that I've bought yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But when I buy Ken's, they roll. I've always done just fine with it. And, and it, I mean, it, it reduces price. So, you know, I guess if, if you were to look at, uh, it's kind of like ramp, but in the opposite direction, kind of. So yeah. you've got your reduction of price and then you're putting the stuff directly into your bag. Which kind of is like, uh, like a little churn, yeah, right? Which is, churn, it's, yeah. it's like, Almost kind of ramp and almost kind of churn and um, and 100 percent disappointment. In the, <laughs> in the early game, it can uh, really, really bring some speed to your team. In the later game, it can give you more flexibility. You go, okay, I'm I've, I'm going to buy these two characters. One of them, I definitely want to draw my next turn. You look in your bag, you see that you got three dice, and you go, all right, I'll drop this one in the bag. The other one, I don't need on my next turn, so I'll leave that in my prep area since you say. You may add it to your bag. You can you can get a little bit of bag manipulation out of out of your big entrance also. Yeah, it really shines on teams with low cost characters too. If your win condition is like mm-hmm. a gorilla grod or something, probably don't bring big entrance. Because I mean, if you I think if you do the math, that discount's not really a discount if you calculate in terms of the turn you had to buy big entrance and then you rolling it and then your short one energy already. Yeah, you're going you drew to it. need to at least purchase two characters with a big entrance to make it worth the roll because mm-hmm. you're giving up the two energy side. Yeah. Yeah. So so like I'd probably say the next potentially meta card that has been lingering around is, would be the two-cost guy garner, right? Because yeah. then you can that, buy more than one. Yeah, that could come right back into the yeah. meta again. <laughs> it took a, took a little vacation. Well, it, it was really, really overshadowed by Bard. Yeah, yeah. You know, the rock star came in, everybody was just going to the rock show and then the rock star died of drugs and alcohol, and now, now, now Guy Gardner is like, hey, I'm still here. You have a really weird narrative for this game, Kevin. <laughs> what? what can I say, man? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we have that, and then we have kind of this in- interesting globals now, or well, other than Professor X, some globals are doing a little bit of them. One of them is, I think, I've seen a lot of people experiment with is the Star Labs Global, where you yeah. pay, uh, is it a bolt and a shield? It's a bolt sh- and a shield, yeah. yeah bolt yeah. and a shield, you move a sidekick to the field, 
Um, and then you move a sidekick die to your prepper. Yeah, a lot of Actually, people... Actually, you do that in the opposite or, order. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, this is one of those do as much as you yep. can. So you yeah. move to your prep area first, and then and you then field, field one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this was a really interesting global when it first came out, because a lot of people were like, well, that's like Professor X, but it's worse. You know, I have to pay two, and I'm only getting two. Do I really yeah. want to do that? But the thing in, is... In modern, it's like Professor X, but it exists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it, it's interesting, too, because it's got a couple of other uses. Like, Professor X is just, you know, thinning your bag, moving stuff over to your prep area. This one lets you put a character in the field, which can be very strategic at times. If your opponent passes you priority and yeah, they've you got... you might just need that one uh, Yeah, and you blocker. need a chump blocker, then it's great to save a shield, a shield and a bolt so that you can put one in the field... And then you're still getting those two the next turn if it gets knocked out. Then you're still mm-hmm. rolling two sidekicks. So it's actually a really uh, interesting and, and, and good form of ramp, especially if you have characters around the five-cost area. That's going to help you purchase them. Yeah. Another way that you can utilize that or sort of back it up, rather, is using some of the energy-fixing globals like your your rare clay face, your rare Merlin. So Yeah. Because <clears throat> you have to use those on, on your turn. Yeah, on... on this turn, I'm going on. You know, on on my my turn now, I'm going to pay the bolt and the shield. I'm going to put one in the field, one in the prep, and on my next turn, I've got that extra one in the prep, so I'm rolling five dice. And then if I need a sixth die, I can switch it for free to whatever face mm-hmm. applies and with in, my team. Yeah. yeah, and usually if you're doing that, you're going to be picking the energy fixer that's going to help your team. Because exactly, yeah, I, I mean, how many of us have run into that situation? You build this awesome team, you get enough energy, and then they roll all the wrong energy like, <laughs> seriously all the time all the time actually it's really interesting because i use energy fixtures for ramp on my doomsday team and i didn't realize it until i've been playing recently but i don't i don't have any four cost characters or anything on my team it's all three cost <laughs> and five cost and what i do is i'll roll four dice hope to get a sidekick field it by a three cost character the next turn roll four energy turn that to it turn the character to an energy and then buy a five cost and i just rotate three five three five and it's actually really quick you can buy um you can buy a five cost character on your second turn if you roll a sidekick on your first turn and people are like oh i don't want to roll sidekicks on my first well, i need that energy what, what i tell people about that is when you were doing resurrection same thing yeah it's just one was in the field and one was already in your prep area yeah um so and so we, we kind of have those globals, and then the other one is Rick Hunter's chalkboard. Rip, uh, Rip Hunter's chalkboard. <laughs> I always say Rick. I call him Rick. It's Rick fine. Hunter. <laughs> sounds cooler. Sounds more butch. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I'll call him Rip once he takes me into the future with him. There you go. But until then, um, so I mean, we've th- we've had segments about this global because when it first came out, we're like, hmm, that's got some pretty good potential in it. Yeah. And so, how do you guys feel about that in terms of? manipulating and getting your die where you want i think it's really good on the right team yeah if you if you build for it and it's part of your game plan it can be really good um i see it i i personally i I look at it and then i look at something like uh escape incarceration or reclaim reclaim from the turtle set i you know if i if i have that open basic action spot i tend to go with the basic action if i have an open spot on my team I might go with chalkboard, but I look at all of those as kind of the same thing. Being able to move something to your prep area when you want it to, it can be really, really handy. Yeah, I've had lots of teams, like my uh, my old WKO team that I played with, I, I utilized it all the time. Rip Hunter's chalkboard was the way to go. 
on my doomsday team that I'm working on now for modern, I don't use it as much. I find myself not using it because like I said, I was doing the three, five, three, five thing, that fourth energy that kind of gets in the way, you know, having to pay that shield. And so I realized that the more that I test my team, this is helping my opponent more than it's helping Mm -hmm. me because I almost never use it. Yeah. So I think I'm going to take it off my team because it's not built for it. But if you have some two cost characters, three cost characters, and you don't mind paying for it, do it. That's kind of where I've found it kind of falls for me um, is I tend to forget about it if I'm not, like, hardcore using it every turn and I don't have a really, really specific buy order and plan. I end up forgetting about it where the basic actions work a little better for me because I roll them and then they're there and I look over and I say, oh, yeah, I have to move something. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not that, I, it's not as, as much of a, I need to actively be remembering it. it. It just reminds me when it's time that I can use it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is one of those, it's almost like if my opponent brings it, cool, I can use it. But I the, love the, seeing my the, opponent bring it. Yeah, yeah, because I've run into the same situation as you, Jared. Just like I tend to play pretty lean in terms of purchasing and costs where I mm-hmm. don't have extra energy on my teams. So that's why I don't think about it because like, well, then I'm going to have to have an extra shield somewhere to, to use its yeah. ability. But I've noticed that if I'm playing an opponent who has it, I'm like, okay, I'll use it because for some reason when that happens, I roll seven energy and I can <laughs> chalkboard Ultraman over because let's be honest, this is the only team I can roll a character <laughs> on um, and go with that. You know, other than that... <laughs> overall, that might be one of the biggest differences between... Uh, modern and golden age in regarding losing pxg there is there's not a crucial global anymore yeah. that i can think of there's not one that you absolutely okay i could buy this well, I, or Jared, i could save a couple of masks for pxg and i'll probably be able to buy it next turn you know like how many times did you pass over maybe buying your win condition two or three turns earlier so that you could yeah. continue to ramp and you end up buying it two or three turns down the line when you've got excess energy yeah there's an uh, something that, that kevin mentioned too you know if you if you make a roll and you whiffed it in golden age and as long as you had a couple masks you could work with that mm-hmm. you could make that work for you now nowadays you have to plan to to make your your energy spending lean you have to be make all of your energy go as far as it can because there is no saving masks anymore i mean that doesn't help yeah. you and so i think that's one of the biggest differences that you see with pxg gone is you have to plan for all of your energy and to use all of your energy because saving it, it just isn't going to work anymore yep yeah unless you want to Unless you don't have a fidget toy and you're like, well, I'll just keep this here to play around. (laughs) Well, like there, there are still other globals, but it's uh, if you're if you're using if you're planning on leaning on something like Blink Transmutations Global, you're planning that, and and your opponent's going to look at you and go, "You're saving masks. There's no PXG. Oh, you've got Blink Transmutation, and they can then adjust for their own plan." Yeah, or or some guy saving for making everybody a super friend. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be that thing too where where like like Ken said, if you rolled a couple masks and there were a few mask globals, you didn't quite know what they were gonna use it for. Yeah, Yeah, you could that's kinda not uh, there anymore. Yeah, you you could use something like blink transmutation as essentially as a threat. Yeah. You can't attack me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because now you're like, well, you don't have a rare lantern ring, so obviously gonna save it for that global right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then so and then the one last thing before we go is build teams without need for ramp have i mean we've all i i think we've always toyed with that idea but is that another viable alternative is to 
see how you can survive without I think like that. building low-cost teams has always been an archetype. There's yeah. always been rush. There's always been the low-cost aggro. I mean, that's absolutely a thing. You know, multiple man, like we were talking about, swarm in general, most of those characters, you don't need to ramp for them, and they allow you to ramp to other things. I mean, to say build a team that doesn't need ramp, that seems kind of ridiculous to me because if even if, if all of your characters cost you still, two at yeah, a certain yeah. point it'd be really nice to buy three of them instead of two yeah. you know and that comes from being able to ramp um so yeah so although the the uh, i guess what i'm trying to say is so although the big tool is gone you still want to have a little bit of that in the back of your mind right yeah, yeah that's the I kind mean, of team that you you would put a, a chalkboard on because you know you want to get to your characters and since you don't have the ramp or the churn you you can put a bunch of low-cost characters on your team, and then you still get to roll them the next turn. So that's the kind of team that you would want the chalkboard on. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Well, you get to roll one of harder. them your next turn. Yeah, and you could use that as ramp. You know, buy <laughs> but, a cheap character, roll six energy, and buy something the next turn. But, again, you're going to run into more problems if you don't have any ramp yeah. at all. Like, if if your plan is to, roll, to draw and roll four dice every turn, and that's it, you're rolling four dice, um, go for it casual <laughs> keep it keep it casual don't invest your feelings in it because it's gonna hurt and i don't see it working that well you've got to have some sort of plan to roll more than four dice at some point you yeah. know whether it's whether it's turn two or turn five or whatever at some point you want to roll more than four dice and I, I just don't see a viable competitive option for playing without that um non-competitive all bets are off, man. <laughs> Tear it up. Let Do us it all know the time in if draft. you figure out a way to make something like that that is competitive, where you don't have to roll more than four dice on a turn ever. Please let us know. You like might. that, you have you have hacked the game. You have figured out a cheat code. Like that is you're on another level. You you're some might kind be of able. Savant. You might be able to do it with something like a Star Labs, and you just constantly are fielding your sidekicks and moving them over just so your bag is thin and then cycling through your characters, it might be possible, but man, I, I have such a hard time envisioning it. <laughs> well, with Star Labs, you're going to be rolling more than four dice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, never I mean, mind. Yeah. That's the ramp. <laughs> yeah. I take it back. Yeah. I want to see somebody no. who go like 6-0 no. no with just four <laughs> dice every turn. That's you all. plan on drawing and rolling four dice every turn. I want to know how you're doing it. If you're winning with Teach that, us your magic. please let us know. Give us a, as detailed as you want. Uh, you know, Maybe we could have you call in or something like that and, and tell the world because you've figured out a magic combination. Yeah. All right, and so if you do want to reach out and contact us, you can shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Um, guys, I'm actually excited because our next segment is Brewing Buddies, so we get to go... Delve, delve deep into a team that we're still not it's not finalized and still tinkering with and I think it's your turn right it's Dr. about J? half together so yeah it's going to be fun <laughs> alright okay we are here with a packed house we have Kenneth Russ and Jared here today how are you gentlemen doing Fantastic. I'm excited. This is our second of recurring Brewing Buddies segment. So what we do in this segment is we'll take a team that is not fully built and kind of brew ideas on what we can do and what we can add to the team or what can change to make it work a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always, you know, if you have a team that you're working on and you want ideas and stuff, send it to us. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net um, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst and say, I give you permission to talk to this about about this team on Brewing Buddies or something because we do get, suge- you know, a lot of people send teams to us and stuff. 
Um, they want to keep them secret. Yeah. Or whatever. So if, yeah. if so, you got your secret tech, then yeah, you know, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But, but, we'd, but, we'd but love if you want it in this segment specifically, just say, hey, feel free to use this in Brewing Buddies if you want. Yeah, we'd love yeah. to bring this to the community. I know that we got some feedback from the last Brewing Buddies segment, too. Yep. Yeah, All right. It was fun. Yep. So, Jared, this is your half-put-together team, so take yep. it away. So, this so half-put-together half means it's your full type of team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> half half put together means I got a six-card combo that I st- I'm starting with, and I need two support cards to pull it off. <laughs> that sounds like a good team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, this kind of half-baked idea came from a, a draft that we did. It was the PDC draft, and unfortunately, I lost using elements of this team but it was really close it got me to the final and it, it worked really well and so i was like i need to make an actual team based on these cards so the the backbone of the team is bob agent of hydra the uncommon and his ability is while he's active other deadpool affiliated characters get fast mm-hmm. and i want to pair that with kid pool the common he's a three cost shield that kid pool. and his ability is while there's another deadpool character active he gets plus two attack i think yep and so the idea is you buff up kid pool, give him fast. That's going to stop your opponent from wanting to attack, and that's going to give you an advantage in the field. And, I mean, I, I, I think it actually works really well. Actually, one of the guys that I played in that PDC draft, we played another event last week at the same store, and he brought basically a Deadpool team, and this was the backbone of his team, was uh, Bob Agent of Hydra and kid pool. So I thought some other cards that would be good – Super rare Ronin would be one I put on this team, mostly because I put him on all most all my teams. But this team is really susceptible. Real there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> this this team is really susceptible to direct damage because you've got these characters in the field. You're going to have a wall, so that's how they're going to get through. So I have him there to stop the direct damage, and I think Gorilla Grodd is kind of the final push to make that those fast characters work really well. The but, overcrush. Yeah, the, give yeah. the overcrush to all your characters. And then attack, so that way, if they block, they're gonna their their field is gone and yours stays. If they don't block, so is then this team? Dead. Are you looking at it just in general, anything, or is it uh, modern, or is it um, for more Deadpool? I characters? pretty much only build modern or prime, so let's stick to modern. Are you looking at other Deadpool characters? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I actually other like Deadpool characters added in is probably helpful. I actually like uh, for for defensive purposes since you're going to be doing the, you know, kind of buffing the kid pool and stuff. I actually like the domino, uh, the the uncommon. I've used her with some of the the kid pool and those kind of things because she can block two characters if you have a, another Ted pool character. So if you attack with kid pool, then she can kind of be another blocker if that makes right, sense. Right. Right. Yeah. Which which is kind of nice. No, that's actually a good idea. I played with the Domino on my draft team, but it wasn't that version. So I didn't actually know. I don't know the Deadpool cards all that well, so I didn't realize that version existed. But that would be, that would work really well. Anytime you can double block with yeah. a fast character. If you're, if I'd you're probably looking stay to... away from super rare Deadpool. I'll just throw <laughs> that out. Well, you could throw an evil Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, not Deadpool affiliated, though. Uh, if, if you're just planning on blasting away with... Uh, kid pool every turn flying car the uncommon flying car could be really good give him another plus to attack whenever you field him oh yeah you know and if if you're attacking with more than one and they're getting knocked out for whatever reason especially if you have overcrush you know you get plus two to each one 
for each one that you field. Yeah. So that first one gives itself plus two, and then if you field the second one, they both get another plus two, and then a third one gives all three of them another plus two. Yeah, that's the the tricky the trickiest thing with with kid pool is his defense is actually pretty decent. Yeah, it's hard to get him to get knocked out, and when he gets that attack buff, there's very little like unless they double or triple block, it's very hard to get him out of the field. So here's an interesting bringing up that flank car. The common flank car has where you get plus three but they lose their text they lose their ability text yeah would that apply with the applied bob effect so bob giving them fast would they lose does it say they lose their text or their abilities uh, loses see. all character abilities i don't know that that i don't know because zombie magneto is ruled that yeah. he doesn't lose the ring ability doesn't get wiped from them and he says all level three or lower characters lose their abilities no, I think text. I think Zombie Magneto says ignore. No, it says they have no abilities. Uh, let me double check that. Um, while active, enemy characters with purchase cost of three or lower lose their abilities. Oh, lose their abilities. Yeah. So but that's kind of the same. Yeah, it's kind of an, so, an applied. So here's what I'm thinking: If you ran Gnome Ranger, which Gnome Ranger, which I really like right now, plus one, mm-hmm. and you attacked with say two Kid Pools and a Gnome Ranger and whatever else, they all get fast. And then depending on what they block with, I then would give that the flying car to get rid of their largest character, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like kind of So maybe a, like a force effect, block would work right. on the team pretty well to, to target certain characters right. and get those out of the field. I'm also thinking attack bus because if you have fast characters, defense is not going to matter when it comes to calculating really. I mean, unless, unless, they, unless you're playing another fast Unless character. they have defense that's higher than the attack or they have a fast character, that fast character is going to stay in the field. And so really, I think you want to focus on buffing the attack. Another big problem with the team, though, is Hydra Bob's defense is garbage. I mean, it's yeah, some of the worst defensive abysmal. stats in the game. Yeah. So you have to find some way to keep him in there. I think that was what Super Rare Ronin was also for because I remember he was super susceptible to Lockjaw. He'd get knocked out every time. And so... That was to absorb any damage that's coming at Hydra Bob. Well, you could use the uh, the common dog pool with that. When he's fielded, deal one damage to target opposing character die, and if you field him on his burst face, also spin up a target Deadpool-affiliated character die one level. Yeah, but there's I mean, no level that Hydra Bob has good defense on. He's like a one... Two, two or something. Yeah, but two is better than one. Yeah, I mean, and and <laughs> dog pool is also affiliated and has really strong stats himself. That's true. I mean, yeah, if he's, you're going... he's a 4-2, four, a 4-4, four, four, and a 5-4. He's pretty strong at a 4 cost. Yeah. I, I, he is pretty good. His fielding costs are a little rough. I, I did play with – I played with that dog pool on my draft team, and he did, like, help. Yeah. I so, mean, he's 0-1-2. If I'm going to put cost. another affiliated character on my team, it might be that one. But I feel like it's got enough affiliated characters with just Kid Pool and Hydra Bob. I don't know. I, the see and I the domino also man like and there's, domino, there's yeah. some really strong Deadpool affiliated characters yeah yeah if I was going let's just say you're building this for all Deadpool the one that kind of has me looking at it lately is actually the the OP Deadpool family values that while the, while he's active the damage dealt to Deadpool Lady Deadpool Kidpool and Dogpool is all reduced by one that doesn't seem like a lot but if you add Hydra Bob to that with fast, that could really kind of 
balance some things. I mean, that yeah. saves yeah. That, one. That would help protect that lady, a lot. What's the Lady Deadpool um, promo do? Isn't she like... Purchase or Deadpool fielding costs are cheaper. Yeah, cheaper. too less to yep. field. So she might be the way to go oh, man. to get she around that dog really pool strong. fielding cost. And she's only and a four. Pool. And she's only a four. She's only yeah, four that's cost. The cheapest version. And she's her. got solid stats. So she might be the way to go with that team. This, that might actually be a good way to make like a Deadpool affiliated team fairly competitive. I mean, it's it's still pretty casual, but once you get those pieces out, it works really well. Yeah, dude, you could use the. Uh, it's not a bad She's got back for more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what card is that? I yeah. I mean I think every single outlaw card and die I've I I've torn up and thrown I, in the trash. I, I, I forget that there's outlaw. There's no point having them. But I, I was going to ask you. So have you? I don't know if you're trying to get more attack to to some of these characters, but um, how about the Howard Stark from Iron Man War Machine, where at the start of your turn you may sacrifice this character die. If you do other character dice you control, get plus two attack. Um, would that help? or That could work. Are there any other cards that just buff a field? I mean, I know I played it with Heroic Defense at the draft, and that went a long way. The problem oh, really? Was, Heroic Defense was awesome? Yeah. That's weird. The problem was my opponents like would just start buying it. Like I was playing against yeah, people who pretty, knew what that did, quick, and, and it was just like, they're like buy it, buy it. And so that's I, I kind of want to avoid giving them the same ability. How, Howard Stark's the only thing that gives... Uh, characters iron will is that correct and i don't uh, know there, the so, timing works. well no there, there's another one i'm talking about the one that just does the plus two right attack, so. but, but i'm just there, thinking yeah. the, the the other one is him, give him iron will but i that would only be on your yeah. i do like yeah. the flying yeah, car it, ability that one really appeals to me yeah. though the the one where you put it on the card and every time you field one they get plus two you just have to find a way to to be able to keep fielding kid pool also i think chalkboard is a really good addition to the team since you got a three cost kid pool you got hydra bob i don't know if he's two or three cost three he's a three cost and so you can chalkboard those all day with your four dice yeah because i was going to ask you how Dude, your if, ramp was going well if you're yeah. worried about uh getting kid pool knocked out to keep fielding him like that bring on chimichangas and give your opponent's character deadly if if you're not going to get through or, anyways make your, make your opponent's character common deadly. evil deadpool right does he let you KO target Deadpool affiliated character opposing Deadpool. Oh, you could oh, you lame. could use, uh, <laughs> but yeah, free chimichangas might work. But also, if you're looking at ramp the to get Kidpool out, you could use Superhero Registration Act, and then you also have Domino and who then if gets. They, yeah, if they buy the, it, then you can KO your Kidpool. Right, and then you exactly. also have Domino who, when you KO that Kidpool, you're not losing a blocker. If that makes yeah. sense. The issue so. is is just getting the damage through. And while it seems like it's not that hard, I had so much trouble because I would throw my entire wall at them. I mean, it'd be like 30 damage, but they would block. And then the next turn, they just roll and refield enough characters, and it was really, like, slow. It, it really slogged on, and I wasn't able to get the punch through that I needed. And so either some way to get them to be unblockable or some way to deal overcrush or some way to clear my opponent's field and keep them from refielding. So maybe like Mary Oracle, Jane. Oracle that taxes fielding costs, or Mary Jane with the overcrush. Two costs. And none of, none of them are. If if you're looking at, you know, at at this point we're talking about all Deadpool still, aside from the potential Grill Lagrade, which totally solves that problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're they're all not villains, so Mary Jane could be a good one to add on there. Yeah. I mean, that's another one that you gotta kind of be getting rid of that. Yeah, uh, I feel like again, gorilla... free chimichangas might be the answer to yeah. that so, also. So with that Gorilla Grodd, some other things I'd look at, I'd like Wong the two cost that it has fast, because then uh -huh. you'd add another fast character, and he's actually really 
rough to deal with with the two cost fast, so he just yeah, adds he's to got that. Pretty good stats for a fast character. And then uh, the speedy, the rare when she attacks, all blocking characters take one. That paired with overcrush is is really rough. Yeah, or the uh, really or the um, rare poison ivy right. does the same thing basically. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, those are actually pretty but, good. But the thing with Speedy is, it's when they declare blockers. So yeah, so her, so are so you talking you, about the common? Right? Yeah, right. No, so the rare. The rare. So while Speedy is attacking, when your opponent de- deals blockers, Speedy deals each of those character dice one damage. Um, but I'm looking at the common. It's when Speedy is blocked, you may sacrifice her to deal two damage to. Oh, that's only targeting. So yeah. I read that one the other way. That rare but one could be really strong. Lockjaw right. might be a good way to go, too, but that's on their turn, right? So yeah. Yeah, that's on here's their the thing, and mind. I can't remember how we played this. If I attack with a, let's just say, a Hydra Bob that's at four, four attack, maybe I've buffed him up, and he's at two defense, if they go to block with a sidekick with Speedy, he it's knocked out. The sidekick is knocked out, so four goes through, but my Hydra Bob stays. That's only if, if he, he has, he has overcrush, yeah. yeah. Right, and that's the trick is stay, getting so. them fast and overcrush at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, there's Which, ways to do it, but it, I don't. it's a lot of work. That's why I think Gorilla Grodd might be the way to go because you're not dependent on, like, rolling an action die or something. It's just a whole field. If you're going to go Gorilla Grodd, you need to use that, uh, that OP Lady Deadpool to mitigate mm-hmm. those fielding yeah. costs yeah. because... All of the Deadpool characters have some pretty intense Yeah, but they are costs. pretty cheap purchase costs, and so you can make that seven cost your win condition and fill up the field with cheap characters. Yeah, well, I, I just damage. mean, like, so, yeah. if, if you're constantly, if you're having to field at two, two apiece every turn, yeah, it's really hard to buy, make that seven cost buy. If you can field all of them for free, because I don't think there's a Deadpool-affiliated character that has a fielding of more than two. So Lady Deadpool makes them all essentially free. Yeah. Uh, if you're feeling them all for free, then whatever. Knock them out. Make me refill them. <laughs> I don't could, care. That could be that you flex know? spot where you try to see, does it really help? And it's good. I'm I'm seeing the Hydra Bob, Wong, that it is another two-cost fist that's not going to get fast from Hydra Bob. It right. gets it himself. Mm-hmm. Heroic defense because it's just the best card. And then uh, the Gnome Ranger that's plus one. And then you he's just. He's like your new go to, man. He's like, <laughs> he's on all my teams from now on. Well, that Gnome Ranger. Cheap, cheap that gives everything yeah. <laughs> this week. Plus one, right? So you're looking yeah. at, at Dog Pool right there that's plus four. Or Kid Pool, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kid Pool would be plus four. So he's attacking for 10. You. You might have overcrush, you might not, but then you got to realize that anything that they knock out from me, I'm still gaining that life if we're in that situation. And you could play really aggressive. So I'm just looking Heroic at defense works so good against right. someone who's not familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. And it then really you get does. this speedy. And it's such a risk against someone who's familiar with it. If you bring heroic defense against me, I'm going to buy that t- turn one and two just so you don't have them. I think there were there that were one or two here. games. I know. Who there- would ever do that? <laughs> there were one or two games in that PDC draft where I had heroic defense, like two of them, and I just attacked with my wall of characters, and they were like, I'm going to block. Both of our walls like, get knocked out. And then I go from like eight life to twenty, and then they can't field twenty life in order to knock in order to finish me off. And so it's just like ah, 
Yeah, gotcha. got me and you went back and forth a lot. I think I had oh, two yeah. of your heroic defenses in that game. I think game. you had me down to like 12 or 10 or something like that. And you could also use them back. Yeah. proton cannon because a lot of your characters are fists. So you that'd be yeah. a tool. Oh, you could use that on kid pool. You know, back if and they then, block get yeah. the overcrush, then and he gets knocked out. And, anyway. and if you if you and want to allow that for a use basic the flying car yeah. and use and the flying yeah. car, yeah. Hey, yeah, that's solid actually. Yeah. I like that. Um, and if you if you don't want to give proton cannon an option for your opponents to buy, um, nobody can tell them buys yeah. all Pim, your Pim particles, particles is yeah. another good one too because you get the plus one and the yeah. But that's only fist. Yeah. So yeah. So I can't so get that, that to Kid Pool. Work for Kid Pool. It would work on Hydra Bob. It would work on. Is Domino a fist? Uh, no, she's yeah. shield. Oh. Let's see. I'm looking at all the Deadpool ones. It would Probably work Proton on Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. Deadpool. Do Proton Cannon. It would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's what you should do. Is try to use the uh, what is it? The common, the uncommon Deadpool that does you both. You take two damage when you feel them. And well, he was like, just saying so that the, oh, the yeah, team's yeah. susceptible to direct damage, so yeah. I don't know that <laughs> handing your opponent two extra is going to be the yeah, answer. <laughs> yeah, that uh, it, it is. That's why that's why Ronan's on the team. But I may have to go with like a Steve Rogers or something else to to absorb more damage. But it's is mainly there to pr- protect Hydra Bob because man, he is so easy to ping out. If you go if you go with the the overcrush route, I would. Uh, Definitely look at Speedy. When yeah. that first came out, I used that a lot with Overcrush. And it, well, she's another cheap character. It's really yeah. rough because what happens if if they block with a sidekick, it keeps your Overcrushed character in the field, and they have nothing blocking it. It's blocked but not blocked. That basically. and if they're fast, and they ha- if it's right. Kid Bully, if he's fast and he's got the buff, then that's one for every blocking character. So they're going to have to add more characters to the block in order right. to not take the overcrush damage, and then you're going to be able to knock out more characters that way. So that might be a good way to go, yeah, and she's I'm, cheap. I'm what actually about, thinking about how nasty it would be to have that speedy with fast. Ooh. So you're attacking with speedy, who does one damage, and then you're hitting fast all before they can even You can do that. You. There's a... Card that gives like a target green arrow character, team arrow character fast or yeah, something. Yeah, I'm almost positive there is. Right. Yeah. No, oh, but I'm saying Roy that Harper. speedy yeah. with with this other stuff you have going on, just it's like everything yeah. takes one, then everything gets hit with fast, and then they have to see if they can knock out your characters. Yeah. Yeah. Another option to, yeah. to deal with pinging away is Clay Golem. Yeah, if you want to go oh, primary. Yeah. Do Golems, you could fabricate also use that pool. to fabricate Kid Pool or whoever if you've yeah. got you know a couple of flying cars out there or if you've got strong like fielding abilities yeah, and the, like your dog pool. Yeah, no, that's solid. Yeah, and then the Golem does a fabricate. little bit more of that absorbing damage too. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's also, I mean... Another body that gets into the field, or, or for, you, for cheaper you could, free. You could I mean, absorb, like, yeah. or I think what would be stronger would be I think it's the rare the two defense clay golem. Ooh, so give everything two, two oh, defense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the rare clay golem does. That would that would definitely help Hydra Bob out. He'd have like a three or four defense. You have to work on purchasing, but totally I doable. I just see this field. It would be a lot of fun where you have a clay golem, so everything's plus two. You have speedy. You attack with these four or five fast characters with speedy. If they block, everything takes one, then my fast goes, and then you have to survive, and then I'll attack next turn. Yeah, and and it seems like it seems like there's a lot of pieces in the field to get this team to work. You know, you have to get Kid Pool out, you have to get Hydra Bob out, you have to get, you know, the Overcrush mechanism, whatever it is, the, a couple of other characters. Thing is, once you get Hydra Bob and Kid Pool out and you have fast characters in the field, 
you are stopping your opponent from wanting to attack. Like, if you have fast characters, they don't want to attack because they're going to lose their characters and your field is going to stay there. And so it does help you build up your field a little more. So I think it's possible. I'm going to. Yeah, oddly enough, fast can really slow a game down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it, though. Um, So um, I know this this is. Oddly enough, I always have to stop you guys because these brewing sessions could go on for hours, but you guys don't want to be here for three hours straight. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the basic idea is do you guys have any suggestions on what Jared could add to his team or what he could take out? Or if you even have any questions on how this team works? Cause yeah, I know we were kind of jumping around and going pretty yeah. fast, yeah. glossing what, over a lot of stuff. Yeah, what, what I mean, like, the, the nice thing about this segment is that, like, this is not a fully set team, so we're kind of flexing stuff. So, Or if you've tried this team, after listening to us talk about it, we want to hear how well it worked for you. Yeah. Um, shoot it, and you can always do that by shooting us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leaving it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I always love it when we're in these kind of brewing sessions because the ideas are just flying, and there's so many things that just can come out of this. So we hope you guys at home enjoy it too. And that's it for this episode of the Double Burst Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. Do you have any tips for playing Dice Masters with kids? Or do you have any suggestions for Jared's team? Let us know. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Of course, check out doubleburst.com for past episodes, places to subscribe, and, you know, cool videos and stuff that you can check out there. Big thanks to Game Haven Sandy for giving us a place to record. If you guys have in Utah, make sure you check them out. If not, check them out online at yourgamehaven.com. Of course, big thanks to everybody who listens at home. We appreciate it. And until next time, my friends, may your dice rolls be ever in your favor. Mm-hmm.